Good morning. The scripture reading comes from Matthew 2, verses 1 through 12. In the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem asking, Where's the child who's been born king of the Jews? For we observed his star at its rising and have come to pay him homage. When King Herod heard this, he was frightened and all Jerusalem with him. And calling together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. They told him in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it has been written by the prophet. And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who is to shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly called for the wise men and learned from them the exact time when the star had appeared. Then he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word, so that I may also go and pay him homage. When they had heard the king, they set out, and there ahead of them went the star that they had seen at its rising until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw that the star had stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy. On entering the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they knelt down and paid him homage. Then, opening their treasure chests, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they left for their own country by another road. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Katie, and thank you, David, Bonnie, and all those responsible for our music this morning. And I sometimes overlook and sometimes forget the folks who are upstairs who are making the live streaming possible, and also to our sound guy, Jeff Williams, who helps us week after week, always faithful. And even when we have glitches with our equipment, which happens here and everywhere, I think, he gets us through that. So thank you, Jeff, for your diligence. The church here, the, the season of Advent, is a time of preparation. It's a time of anticipation. It's a time of expectation. It's a period of waiting. Not passive waiting, but praying and worshiping and serving others while we wait. For what are we waiting? We're waiting for Christmas that we might celebrate the Savior, his first coming as a child among us. For what are we waiting? For his daily comings into our hearts and into his church and into this world that he loves so much even to this day. For what are we waiting? For his final return in glory at the close of the age. Advent begins on the fourth Sunday before Christmas. That was last Sunday, November 29th this year. Our worship theme was there's a song in the air. The opening lyrics of a Christmas hymn by the same name, one of my favorite and perhaps yours too. Next Sunday, we'll focus on there's a mother's deep prayer. And two weeks from today, we'll talk about it, and there's a baby's low cry. But for today, 
I invite you to join me in reflecting on there's a star in the sky. The scripture lesson that Katie read was from Matthew chapter 12, 1 through 12, Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. That's normally the scripture lesson that's read on the first Sunday of Epiphany, Epiphany Day or Epiphany Sunday. And there's a good chance we may hear it again on that day. But I think it's important that we hear it today as we think about a star in the sky. Who are these wise guys from the east? Probably not kings, as the well-known hymn indicates. More likely astrologers, perhaps Persian astrologers, folks who study the stars looking for signs of things to come. They showed up when Herod was the so-called king in Judea, Rome, the Roman Empire, didn't care what Herod called himself. As long as he kept peace in that area, as long as he kept folks from rising up and making a lot of noise and, and a lot of commotion, he, they didn't care. They would put up with his nonsense. And so they showed up when Herod was, quote, king of Judea, asking, where is he who is born king of the Jews? Where is this child? We've seen his star and we've Come to worship. When Herod heard this, it was not good. He was frightened. And being the insecure ruler that he was, he was going to take drastic measures. And when he heard that a king, another king had been born, he was wondering, what do I have to lose as this transaction unfolds? Envy, jealousy, Herod was a scoundrel of the worst order. So he called his people in the know together and he asked where the Messiah was to be born and they told him in Bethlehem. Bethlehem means house of bread that according to the scriptures, the child would be born in Bethlehem. Then Herod the skunk called for the wise man and ask, when did this star appear? When did, you, when did you first see it? And lying, something he did oh so well, Herod said, tell you what, folks, when you found this child and worshiped him, come back and tell me where the child is so that I might worship him as well. Herod's intentions were evil. He had no intention of worshiping this baby taking their directions from the star, the wise men found the child and his mother not in the stable anymore, but in the house, the scripture says. So this arrival of the wise man could have happened anywhere from two days to two years after the child was born. We don't know exactly, we're not told. They knelt before the child and they offered their gifts And then they took a different road home. Anyone who encounters Jesus the Christ, anyone who encounters the Messiah is going to go home by a different road. It's going to change our lives and point us in some new directions. 
There's a star in the sky. If we stick to this story from Matthew 2, the star of Bethlehem might be better named the star of the king of the Judeans or the star of the Messiah. The name Jews was a name used for the children of Israel by folks who were outside of the house of Israel, not a name that they used for themselves. Astrologers, magi observed this star at its rising to relate a newly rising star to a king in Israel, the star would have to appear in the constellation governing the land of Israel. People put a lot of faith in, in the stars and the, the configuration of the stars. That is the Roman province of Syro-Palestine. The constellation, some say, was actually Aries, which was a springtime constellation, constellation marking the beginning of the dry season. And it was during the dry season when folks would have been able to travel at night, like these wise men who traveled from a a distant place. Now, in the first two chapters of Matthew, people learn of God's will through dreams and through angels, through stars and through Israel's scripture. Only Herod, informed by Israel's scripture, only Herod chooses to, to disobey. A star in the sky would not be a welcome sign for one who chose to live his life in the darkness. So there's a star in the sky. What can we do about it? Always, always we have options. We can wish upon that star. As the familiar Disney song reminds us, when you wish upon a star, makes no difference who you are. Anything your heart desires will come to you. Perhaps those lyrics take us back to the, the theme and the sentiment of a childhood movie. But it's not true, is it? We speak ill of those folks who seem to be wishing their lives away. Have you ever used that expression? Have you ever used that to judge someone else? Well, they just spend all their time wishing their life away. Never accomplish anything. And we say things like, if wishes were horses, beggars would ride. And I find myself thinking I wouldn't be wishing for a horse. It's cold out there. I'd be wishing for a car with windows and a heater. But anyway, there's a star in the sky. What can we do about it? We can wish upon that star or we can study that star. Consider the strides that have been made by mortals on this earth in studying the stars since the days of the wise men. Today, most folks... I think most folks, maybe I'm wrong on this, consider astrology something silly and useless. We say that, we don't govern our lives by the stars, that's just crazy. And then we catch ourselves at Publix or Kroger reading the front page of the tabloids about what the astrologers are saying about what's coming our way. We might sneak a peek. We don't want anyone to see us doing that. But astronomy, that's a different ball game. Legitimate science versus nonsense and, and hocus pocus. Perhaps I'm being a bit too harsh. Perhaps not. Sophisticated satellites, powerful telescopes have revealed things about the stars that ancient people would never have imagined. Never thought they had no clue. Men and women of great intelligence today, with vast resources at their disposal, spend their careers, their working careers, studying the stars and the planets and the things in the sky. And who knows? 
if we've even scratched the surface of what's out there and what we know. There's a star in the sky. What do we do? We can wish upon that star. We can study that star. Or we can follow that star. The wise men were led to Christ Jesus by the light of that star. But could it be for us that Christ Jesus is the star? Hear what some of the scripture verses have to say about this. And you may can think of others. There are many references to, to stars in the sky and to things up above. In Numbers 24, in portion of verse 17, a star shall come out of Jacob and a scepter shall rise out of Israel. And then in 2 Peter 1.19, so we have the prophetic message more fully confirmed. You will do well to be attentive as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your heart. And then from Revelation 22.16, it is I, Jesus, who send my angel to you with this testimony for the church. I am the root and the descendant of David, the bright and morning star. And then there are references in our hymns, especially our Christmas hymns, but all through our hymnal to Jesus as the bright and morning star. O morning star, how fair and bright thou beamest forth and truth and light. O sovereign, meek and lowly. And then there's an old gospel hymn. I never heard it in the church I grew up in, but when I became a student pastor in a small town country church, I learned this song, and I like it. And I think when we were doing our Cokesbury hymn sings, and I hope we can do those again someday, I found a friend in Jesus. He's everything to me. He's the fairest of 10,000 to my soul. The lily of the valley and him alone I see. All I need to make me clean, to cleanse me and make me fully whole. In sorrow, he's my comfort. In trouble, he's my stay. He tells me every care on him to roll. He's the lily of the valley. He's the bright and morning star. He's the fairest of 10,000 to my soul. The Old Testament begins with darkness and the last of the gospels, the fourth gospel, ends with darkness. Darkness was upon the face of the earth, Genesis says. Darkness was where it all started. Before darkness, there had never been anything other than darkness Void and without form, if you can imagine the, the bleakness of that. And at the end of John's Gospels, the Gospel, the disciples go out fishing on the Sea of Galilee. Remember Jesus has risen? They're not sure about that yet. It's night. They have no luck. Their nets are empty. And then they see someone standing on the beach. And at first they don't realize who it is in the darkness. It is Jesus. The darkness of Genesis is broken when God speaks light into being. All God had to do was say it. And it came to pass, let there be light. That's all it took. The darkness in John's gospel is broken by the flicker of a flame on the beach on the sand Jesus has made a small fire he cooks some fish on it for his friends who've been working all night for their breakfast 
On the horizon are the first pale traces of the sun getting ready to rise. The original creation of light itself is almost too extraordinary to take in. The little cookout on the beach is almost too ordinary to take seriously. Why would that even be in the scriptures? Why well, mention in the Bible Jesus started a fire on the beach to cook breakfast? It seems so insignificant. Yet if scripture is to believe enormous stakes are involved here, then and now, only a saint or a visionary begin, can begin to understand God setting the very sun on fire in the heavens. It's beyond our comprehension how that could happen. How do you picture that? How do you understand that? And therefore God takes another tack by sheltering a spark with a pair of cupped hands and blowing on it the light of the world gets enough fire going on the beach to make a small breakfast. Frederick Bigner says it's not apt to be your interest in cosmology or even in theology that draws you to it so much as it is the emptiness in your own stomach. You don't have to understand anything very complicated. All you have to do is take a step or two forward through the darkness and start digging in. There's a star in the sky. There's a light in the darkness. John's gospel helps us to connect all this up in the first chapter of John's gospel. And the life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. And gracious with all the darkness we've encountered in this past year, we need to hear that and know that. In chapter eight, again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness but we'll have the light of life. The days grow shorter. December's darkness grows deeper. For some folks, December is the most difficult time of the year. Maybe for some of us, maybe for some of the folks we know and love, if we make it through December, you remember the old Merle Hackard song, If We Make It Through December. And we will, dear friends. Dear George, we will make it through December because there's a star in the sky. And there's a light brighter than any darkness. Any darkness. And the bright and morning star, even Jesus the Christ, is the light of the world. Amen. Amen.